0: Hello and welcome to Rama Buddhist Monastery. We meet again as we come together to take yet another step forward on our journey and on our quest to achieve the ultimate bliss, unconditional happiness. Now by now you all know what we are here for, what we are about. And our strategy to getting to where we want to go. I hope and I enjoy that you have enjoyed your stay with us thus far. And I'm also of the belief that you may now have lots of little niggling questions in the back of your mind. So, where to now? Is that it? We've heard from Bhante that it's wanting that is the problem, and different people want different things, so wanting is the problem, fair enough, the more you want something, the more you're going to suffer, and we've also discussed pleasure, and how pleasure is not intrinsic, it's not built in to any body, or object, or experience that we may come across, but instead it's product of a function of the mind. When the mind wants something, the mind goes into the state that we identified as vexation and in a state of vexation it is at unrest, it is not comfortable, it's in a lot of pain, it's at unease and therefore the mind makes an effort to to relieve itself from that vexation. And by now, you'll know that this relief that the mind experiences is what we have come to know as pleasure. So, that's all good, isn't it? We know now about pleasure. We know about vexation and the connection between the two. We know also that if the mind wants something, then the mind goes into a state of vexation. So, that seems to explain pretty much how we go through life and stressing ourselves out and then seeking relief and going through those ups and downs and in the daily grin of activity and just life in itself. You're all now very familiar with this and I think you have now come across A philosophy with which you can explain a lot of what you go through on a regular basis. Would that be fair to say? Some of the things that you went through in life but you struggle to explain, struggle to identify the reasons behind it and to see rhyme or reason behind it, the rationale to how you respond to certain things, why some things made you happy whereas others made you unhappy, but it was the complete opposite for somebody else? Can you now explain this? If your kid were to come up to you and ask you, mother, mother, why is it that I like this, but my friend likes the other? I like pink, but she likes green? Why is that? You should now be able to explain quite a lot of things that you come across in life, you know at the end of the day, this is the study of life, its causes how suffering creeps in to an otherwise peaceful and serene and help and happy experience so If you've picked up all these bits and pieces from these talks up until now, I'm sure most of you, if not all, would by now be asking the question, well, that seems to be fair enough and quite reasonable, and surely that must be the end of this series. But there's more. Others among you will be wondering, well, where to from here? We know that wanting is the problem, but is there anything that can be done about wanting? Is that not a very normal thing? Isn't that just part of being human, to want things? Of course, we have by now discussed that wanting does not bring you any benefit other than suffering. We talked about how to pass an exam, your desire or your want to pass the exam has absolutely nothing to do with how much you score on your pet on your test paper your wanting to do something is not directly proportional to the results that you get but instead it is directly proportional to the activity that you put in to achieve the desired result right so fair enough then wanting seems to be the problem here it seems to be where we can direct all our blame And it's the Pandora's box. So what do we do now? We all want stuff and I know it's wrong to want, but I still want stuff. How do we, isn't there a solution? How do we go forward from here? Is there an answer to this? Or am I just cursed with the want for things and I just have to live my life like this, knowing that it's wrong to want, but I still want help? (laughs) Well, that's what we are here for. That's what we are all here for, to help each other out. So today, let's bring all these things that we've discussed together and in its culmination, figure out where do we go from here. So, we know that we want stuff. We know that it's problematic. So now, we better do something about it. What can we do? How do we do it? Let's find out. Before we do that, as always, let us take a moment to pay homage to the noble one, the most magnificent one, the perfect one, he who is our teacher, he who discovered this philosophy and then expounded to his disciples and they on to theirs and they on to theirs and today we have been so fortunate to be recipients of that. With immense gratitude, and with all our hearts, let us take a moment to pay homage to the Supreme Buddha. Namo Thas Bhagavato Arhato Samma Sambudhas. Namo Thas Bhagavato Arhato Samma Sambuddhas. To take a step forward, let's take half a step back. That's right, we're not going all the way back, don't worry. Just half a step. Do you recall we talked about the principle of cause and... Yeah, that's the one. The Principle of cause and effect. I think, if I'm not mistaken, we had a couple of talks on that, where I introduced the principle of cause and effect, and then we took numerous examples to understand how it actually affects our lives, our existence, and to understand that it is the underlying principle, the all-governing, fundamental principle that rules all forms of existence. The principle of cause and effect. Now, why am I talking about that? Well, you see, the principle of cause and effect is an absolutely wonderful discovery by the same great teacher because it gives us a method to deal with stuff that we just don't like as much as it does to deal with stuff that we do like. What do I mean by that? Well, if there's something you want, if you'll pardon the pun, if there's something you want and you just want to have it, then you know by now that simply wanting it is not going to get you that, right? You want to be a millionaire, right? Tell me what you want to do or tell me what instead... What would you have to do? You can't tell me, well, I just want to be a millionaire, Bhante, so surely I'm going to be a millionaire. Come on. That's not true. I mean, put aside being a millionaire. Just take something as simple as, you know, you want to have some cake. What do you have to do? You're going to have to do something. You can't just want something and then expect it to fall out of the sky. It doesn't work like that, right? Everything requires what? What? Hard work? Money? Is that what you're going to say? Money? Everything requires money. You need money for everything. Really? Take it one step further down or up, whichever way you want to look at it. Abstract it a level. What you need to do is to gather up the causes that's going to give you or that's going to get you the result that you desire. In other words, really, let me put it this way. It matters not that you want it. So, you know, really, what I should have said was, right, when I started to talk to you about this, it does not matter whether you want something or not. Where there are the right causes, or let's just say, where where there are the relevant causes, whether they're right or wrong, again, can be a subjective perception. You know, different people will feel different differently about that. You know what's right, what's wrong. So let's put all that subjectivity to aside. Where they are, the relevant causes, the result will manifest itself. Yeah? So day turns into night and night into day. This has been happening for as long as <laughs> you know, forever. Is that because you wanted it to happen? Haven't there been days where you just didn't want it to be day? Or you just didn't want it to turn night? So, wanting simply has nothing to do with it. So, really, you know, what I should have said was, matters not whether you want something or not, things in this world manifest simply because there are the causes which are required for that manifestation. Whether you want it to do so or not have absolutely nothing to do with it. You can want stuff if it makes you feel better. But the truth is, wanting stuff is never going to make you feel better. You know, we've talked about this, like, you know, tomorrow's your birthday and you know there are lots of presents for you. Now you want you want them but what if tomorrow never comes so then you begin to understand this feeling of wanting is not a pleasant one it's a it's quite an unpleasant one for short periods of time people feel that it's okay and it's, it gives you hope and it gives you something to look forward to right people talk about this right and you know, it's always good to have something to look forward to really so how about we get you to keep looking forward to it every day, forever and ever and ever. Would, that, would you like that? So you can, have, you can look forward to it every day, forever. No, of course you wouldn't like that. If there's something you're looking forward to, you want that thing that you're looking forward to to come to you as soon as possible. So anyway, as an aside, coming back to the point we were talking about, cause and effect is what governs everything in this universe. Now, you mustn't take this because I say so. Because then it's not going to be a comprehension on your part. It will simply be, yes, Bhante, whatever you say so, Bhante. This is not a case of, yes, sir, no, sir, three bags full, sir. That's not what I want. You're not sheep. <laughs> right? You're intelligent people. You can think for yourselves. You can understand this because it makes sense to you not simply because it makes sense to me. I'm not looking for devotees. I'm looking for students. Students who will take their own responsibility for analyzing, contemplating, intellectually comparing and contrasting these ideas, these thoughts, so that they can become their own teacher at some point. So I I want you to become independent. Now you'll say, ah, Bhante, did you just say you want something? (laughs) All right, all right, you got me. But that is the truth, though. I want you to become independent so that you don't have to keep coming to these talks or lectures or sermons every day. You should be able to understand this as I have done so from my teachers, really grasp the idea solidly, firmly, with conviction so that no one, nothing can change your understanding. Not because you don't allow anyone to change it. You know, I'm, you know that, don't talk to me. I've just understood something. Don't talk to me just in case, you know, I might not understand it again. No, that's just rubbish. You should be able to allow anybody to challenge you. That's not to say you'll go around arguing with people or debating with people or challenging people to challenge you, that's not the point here. That would be foolish, absolutely foolish. That's not the point here. But you should be free. You should be able to have anyone challenge you and yet be able to stand by your point, to be able to prove, to be able to regard with conviction and explain what you have understood, what you have Comprehended. That is what I want for you. So, to borrow the anecdote, I'm not here to catch fish for you, but rather, go on. You can complete it. That's right. I'm not here to catch fish for you. I'm not here to catch your fish, but I'm here to help teach you. I'm here to teach you catch your own fish. So you won't have to come to these talks every day. That's the point. Right. We digress. Coming back to our point. Cause and effect. Why are we talking about cause and effect here again? Now we know that wanting has nothing to do with what's happening in the world. Things manifest not because of wanting. Things manifest because there are the causes. Whenever there are causal factors around, in the right environment, in the right composition in the right quantities and so on, you get the result, right? You never baked a cake and, or you you never had a cake simply because you wanted it. There was always causes that were required. I mean, otherwise, why would people, why would we have beggars on the streets, you know, wherever? Everyone wants to be fed, surely. Right? Everyone wants to be rich. I know that's a broad assumption, but you know, generally speaking, most people want to be rich. Most people want to look pretty. Right? But everyone wants to you know, have a full stomach and not be hungry. That's reasonable. But, but still, why do we have hungry people? Why do we have sick people? Just because you want something doesn't mean it's going to happen. And just because you don't want something doesn't mean it's not going to happen. So the same applies, right? Vice versa. Aren't there things that happen to you despite you not wanting them to happen? Lots of examples, right? So, for instance, you you might want to pass an exam but you end up failing it. You might want to get the promotion but you don't. Your colleague gets it. You might want to marry the person you, you, ha- you have an, a crush on or you have an affair with, but something happens. She runs away with somebody else. Or you find out that she's cheating on you. Stuff happens all the time. Just to prove the point that wanting has nothing to do with what goes on in the world. When they're the causes, they will manifest themselves as a result. So again, I ask the question, what is the connection to this and wanting? In fact, it's probably you asking me the question, Bhante, come on. What's, what's the connection? Are you teasing us? Right. The connection is, now that we are armed, okay? Now, we've got, now that we've got this principle of cause and effect, which we can use to understand how things come into being and how things don't come into being, or why things don't come into being, rather... We can use this principle to tackle any problem that we have. Be that climate change or the fridge is broken, it's not working or the computer won't boot or my shoelaces keep coming off all the time. I've got a bad stomach ache. Whatever the problem is, if you've got the principle of cause and effect, you've got yourselves. The methodology that can be used and applied into an infinite number of contexts. There's no limit to where you can apply this. You can be applied universally. Universally you can apply this and get answers to problems that we have. Such as, such as what? Such as, exactly, such as the problem of wanting. Wanting. See, isn't wanting something that manifests? Wanting anything, anything that is in existence has a cause or a multitude of causes which were there and which are there to continue to keep it. To keep it there. So, to further explain that, if the causes weren't there in the first place, you wouldn't have the effect. And if the causes didn't continue to be there, then that particular effect, the, the effect in question, wouldn't continue to exist. We talked about the example of fire. To bring about a fire, you need a flammable object, you need the right temperature and you need oxygen. It's not just that you need these three to light the fire, but to keep the fire lit. Well, you need something else now? To light it, you need X, Y, and Z. But to keep it lit, you need A, B, and C. No, 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 no. It doesn't work like that. Whatever causes brought it to being the same causes, you need to keep it in existence, to sustain it. So likewise, wanting comes about because of causes. Now, that is where the connection is. This vexation that we feel in our minds, folks, is based in causes. There are causes that bring that about. So, if we can identify those causes, then we can, we can choose to do something about it. Because until and unless you know those causes, well, there's nothing you can do about it, right? Now, go back to when you hadn't listened to these talks. When you wanted something... What did you do? Weren't there times where, you know, you were stuck between a rock and a hard place? (laughs) You know, times where you really wanted something, but it was just not appropriate to go and get it for yourself? Or it was not appropriate to ask? And then what did you have to do? You know, inside it was a mental battle, wasn't it? A moral battle. Should I? Should I not? I need it. Or rather, I want it. I want it, I really want it, but I can't ask. It's not good, it's not right, it's bad, it's foul. It's, it's a violation of everything that is right in this world. I shouldn't be asking for something like this. I shouldn't be wanting something like this. I'm sure, you know, there'll be people among you. Most people would have had terrible times with these moral mental battles, these tumultuous situations. In your minds. Ask yourself, have you not had such situations? You know, take this into the lab of life. In your lab of life, hmm, take out that old specimen box, all the results of previous tests, and see for yourself. Times where you might have failed. I'm sure there must have been times where. It was not the right thing to do, but you just wanted it, and you just went for it. Oh, how much you regret that now, right? Why is life full of so many regrets? Because you just didn't know what to do, when you wanted it, and you shouldn't, you shouldn't have wanted it. Isn't that the reason? Isn't that why today you regret some of the things that were said, that some of the things that were done? And also some of the things that you wanted to do, but you couldn't pick up the courage to go and do it because there were two wants that were in battle. You wanted to save face and you wanted to ask at the same time. One of the two won. Whichever one won, it was on behalf of the other you regretted later. So if there are lots of regrets in life, However many of you there may be, if you just go back into those situations in life, just you know go jog down memory lane, most of the time, virtually all the time, right, I can't think of why there would be one where this was not the situation. But uh, let's just say, most of the time, right? there would have been something you wanted, but you didn't know what to do about it. In other words. It was not right for you to ask for it. It was not right for you to reach for it. It was not it was not right for you to grab it. It was not right for you to snatch it. Remember? You obviously you know I don't know any of the examples or situations in in which you found yourself, but you know nonetheless the point stands right. The point is true, right? All of us would have had those situations. So, we felt so vulnerable in those situations. We felt so helpless in those situations. Didn't know what to do. Didn't know where to turn to. Or who to go ask for help. Because even asking for help with something like that, you know, whatever that might have been, it was just not the dumb thing. What would they think of you? To go and ask something like that? Something that wasn't yours, but you saw it, you liked it, you wanted it. You know, this it can be replaced with anything, as you know. It could be an object, it could be a person. She was not rightfully yours. But you wanted her nonetheless. But how could you go and ask? But then there was this internal furnace that was lit. Wasn't there? The fire that was lit on the inside. Rearing to go. It was like an engine on the inside with all that horsepower compelling you to Ask for it, get it, just go and get it. You need it, come on, you want it, come on, get it. And then you were battling, perhaps the biggest battle of your life. Sometimes you won, sometimes you lost. The times you won, you're still in pain because you still want it. You were able to fight, you were able to be the better man, but you know, you still want it so you're still suffering. Times you lost are the times you regret today and again you're suffering. That's what I said the other day. Once you want something, folks, you're either suffering because of fear or you're suffering because of grief. So the only recourse to break free from this curse is to end wanting. Now, armed with the principle of cause and effect, we can finally do something about it. Because we know, wanting must be based on one, two, three, or any number of causes. Matters not how many they are, right? However numerous they may be. Because, you know, it's the biggest curse. This is the curse of existence. It's what has put you in such difficult and terrible and situations in life. So you want to break free from this and just be at peace. So, what do we do now? What is the cause of wanting? This is the million-dollar question. The Buddha gives us the answer to this question. He says... The cause of wanting is attachment. What is attachment? Attachment is a function of the mind. You may have heard of this phenomenon, in other words, such as craving or desire. And I think I did mention an attachment once in a previous talk, but I said, don't think too much about it because we're going to come back to it. And so today we are back there. Attachment. You know when you attach things together, right? So let's say two pieces of paper, you get a stapler and you attach the, the two of them together. Attach. If you have ever done in plumbing, you take two pipes together, And you attach them together. With some glue. Attach. In just the same way. The mind can attach. To things. And those things can be sights. Sounds. Smell. Taste. Touch. And mental objects. Ideas. You know stuff in the mental realm. The things you can think about. But perhaps you've never seen them. you know some things such as love, for instance, people like to be loved, right love how do you what is the shape of love? What is the smell of it exactly so it's it 's a mental concept, so you get the idea that the mind can attach To stuff. Worldly things. The mind can attach to things. Now, of course, the mind doesn't attach to the physical things. So, you know, let's say, for instance, this. This fan. The mind cannot attach to this. But there's a mental impression of this. Because it's all, you know, this doesn't go anywhere. So the mind cannot sort of wind itself around this. Clearly, that's obvious. This does not even reach the eye, let alone the mind. It's light that is reflected from this object that reaches the eye. So, let alone this object itself, not even light reaches the mind. But it's an electrical impulse. So an impulse, a mental impression, of the things that we see, we hear, we smell, we taste, touch, in the outside world, a mental impression leaves its residue in the mind. So that mental impression is what the mind can attach to. So simply, you know, the fact that you can see something, for instance, this again. You know, your eyes can only see sight. But the fact that you're seeing this fan means your mind is at work because you know fully well and you don't need to do you don't need to do a PhD in science for this or psychology or physiology or anything like that to understand that the eye does not see this fan the eye only picks up it's only sensitive to light the rods and cones on the back of your eye on your retina will only pick up light of different frequencies and therefore some are receptive to black and white images whereas the others are receptive to color. Again, frequencies. So in those terms, the eye is is miles away from the mind. So then, what about the object itself? But the fact that you can see this object and you, you can identify this object, you can recognize this object. You're seeing me right now on your screen. And you know that this is the same bunte from last week, it's not changed a bit. You know this because it's not just that your eyes are at work, but your minds are at work. So the light rays though the light waves that are emitted from your screen reach your eyes and then are converted into an electrical signal which is then conveyed to your brain and the brain then drops a mental impression on the mind. We don't need to get too technical about this because it's not the technical detail that we need to be interested in. Understanding that is not going to help us rid the mind of wanting. (laughs) The wanting will still be there. This is simply for us to make sense of what's really going on. So we just need to understand the basics. So now we know That the mind can attach itself to mental impressions of the things you see, the sounds you hear, the smells you can inhale, the tastes that your tongue can sense, and of course the physical sensations. And ultimately the mind itself has a bank of, I suppose, memories and also new ideas and thoughts. So not every mental impression is a memory. You can have new ideas, new concepts, new thoughts. We'll talk about, perhaps one day, maybe we'll talk about how those things come into being. But, you know, I always emphasize we, we, we mustn't make this an academic piece of work or a bit of research. Because then we, you know, we, we, we fail the test. Buddhist philosophy is not to study the workings of the mind, the body and the cosmos. That is not what Buddhist philosophy is for. Its ultimate goal is just one thing and one thing alone. Remember, it's the Buddha's guide to understanding the world around us, understanding the universe, understanding the mind and the body. No, 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 no. Surely that's not the class you signed up for. You subscribe to this channel. You subscribe to this playlist or whatever because you saw the title Buddha's Guide to Happiness. So I'll only be explaining and talking about stuff that have direct correlation to that ultimate goal. So there will be some things that I will not go into a great deal of detail because it is not all that helpful for us to understand how we can get from where we are to our ultimate goal of happiness. Because, you know, here's the thing. All your life you have struggled to find happiness, right? You admitted this. Rhetorically, I asked you the question and you admitted this, although I couldn't hear you or I couldn't see you put your hands up. But the fact that you have remained with us so far means you've admitted it, right? You've done so many things in your life, in your 20, 30, 40, 50, 60, 70, 80, 90, maybe even going around 100 years of your existence on this planet, looking for happiness, and you failed miserably. This is why you have come on this journey. So it would be rather amiss if I were to use your valuable time, as much as mine, to explain to you the science or the mechanics or the technical detail about all of this so you can have even more knowledge. The purpose of these talks is not to become To help you become more knowledgeable. But rather it's to help you become more wise. To develop your insight. So that you begin to understand. What's happening to you. What's happened to you. And what might happen to you. It's on this premise. That we operate. So I'm sure you will forgive me then. When I sometimes will deliberately curtail our discussions, our conversations and keep it focused on what really matters. Because this doesn't need to be yet another channel or yet another series of talks that talks about all the different weird and wonderful things that happen in the world. There's plenty of stuff out there for that. This is purely focused for those people who seek liberation. Because they are tired and exhausted having tried all their lives to find an unconditional happiness and they failed. And now they come for refuge, just as I did with my teachers. Right, so back to the point. Wanting has causes and that cause is attachment. Now, here's the other thing. You'll know that I said wanting has causes. So, you might ask me, well, Bhante, you just said attachment, what are the other causes? Uh Aha, I knew you might ask me that, so I had the answer prepared. It matters not what the other causes are. How so? Well, let's go back to the example of the fire. Three basic elements are required to bring a fire into existence. Yes, I agree. How many of them do you need to take out to put out the fire? All three? Two of them? Or just one? This is the beauty of the principle of cause and effect. I just love it simply for that. It has explained to me and helped me understand that if there's something that you don't want, if there's something that you want to get rid of, you don't need to work out all the different causes that have brought that into being. You just need to work out one, the simplest, the easiest one and work on that. Because once you start working on that, it matters not how numerous the causes are. Because for something to exist, all of the causes that support its existence have to exist. So this is a universal truth. Therefore, if there is something you don't like, such as the wanting in our case, it matters not How many causes have brought it into being, you just need to identify one cause and work on that. And the Buddha so delightfully presented to us that attachment is the cause of suffering, or wanting, or vexation. So the mind can attach to things and that is the problem. Because when the mind attaches to things, you can just, you know, picture this in your mind. Picture your mind attaching itself in your mind, right? Stay with me. So, the mind attaches itself to things. So, these are mental impressions, as we've just discussed. And it attaches itself with an expectation. The expectation of achieving it. Fulfilling it. Acquiring it. I'm throwing various words out so, you know, something might sink with you. I just want the penny to drop. That's it. So I just keep throwing stuff at you. Something's going to work. Right? So the mind is capable of attaching itself to mental impressions and when it does, it, it, it does with the expectation of being able to experience it. Let me repeat that. The mind is capable of attaching itself to mental impressions, right? And when it does so, it does it with the expectation of being able to experience it. Otherwise, why would it attach? I mean, you know, it's it's not like it's jobless. (laughs) I just attach you know the mind just attaches for no reason. It doesn't work like that. No, there's always reasons. There are always reasons. Why? There are always causes. It's one and the same. Without any cause, there's not there's never going to be a result. Nothing's gonna happen that is not based in causes. That's why everything that has a beginning has an end. Only things which don't have a beginning don't have an end. And there are no such things. Well, except for one, we'll come to that later. Oh, here's another teaser, (laughs) Bhante. Well, you know, those are some of the perks of being a teacher. But I promise you, it's all right. right? When the time will come, I will share all that with you. Everything that has a beginning has an end and everything that has a beginning is based in causes. That is why it has an end. It is not that the end can be predetermined or prestated by a specific date or an, a point in time, but instead you need to define it through the dispersion, the, through the dispersion of the causes that brought it to being. So when those causes disperse, when they fall apart that's when it ceases to be so it's not like you know in 2025 or in 20632 you know this is not a point in time it's not like at 325 in the in the afternoon it's not about that when does something cease to exist there's no point in giving a time and a date for it really that's just a way that's just our way of explaining or it's, it's just our way of trying to put all things that happen in the universe into some sort of order so that we can better understand them. Time is an illusion and we've done a separate talk on this. So you're welcome to go back and just have a rummage through the other talks in this, on this channel and you'll find one there about how time is an illusion. So I'm not going to talk about that here but please feel free to go back and watch that if you're interested Wanting has its causes maybe one maybe two maybe many matters not because we know there's one of them one of the one of them that we the one that we know about is attachment And because we know that attachment is a cause or is the cause. So, if we only know one, well, we might as well just say, it is the cause, right? It is the cause. We don't know of any others. I mean, you might. I don't. But matters not. If we, let's just keep it simple. So, detachment is the cause of wanting. And therefore, if we can do something about attachment, then, wanting ceases who says so? Of course, you know this the principle of cause and effect says so. I mean, it's the same principle that we use to identify the cause of wanting, or at least understand that if you want to rid of rid the mind of wanting, we just need to go and find out what its causes are and then once you've found its cause, what do you now need to do if you want to rid that cause, and if you identified that cause now, what do you need to do? If you want to find out the cause of that cause. You can just keep on going like this. Until you come to the root cause. Once you get to the root cause. If you can eradicate the root cause. Then everything that has spun up. That has spawned from that root cause. Will disintegrate cease to exist, will fall apart. Does this all make sense to you? I need to make sure that you're all on board. Hopefully not bored, but you're all on board. This might sound a bit heavy and a bit difficult to grasp, but it, it really isn't, folks. Because, you know, that's why I say you can always take these principles and go into your lab of life and then it'll all make sense. It's only when you think of these as being some really abstract things that it, it, you may struggle with them. But the moment you take these concepts and apply them in the lab of life, you know, it, it's like in broad daylight. Everything just starts to make perfect sense. That's why from the start, I've always asked you, make sure you go into the lab of life after every lesson after every talk go back into the lab of life and make sure you take the time to apply these principles you know that is the homework that you're going to have to do i can't do that on your behalf i'll give you the principles i'll give you the teaching you got to go and apply it coming back to attachment the mind is now able as we know to attach to mental impressions now what does that look like if you might ask me you know i can't give you a picture i can't draw an illustration and say yeah this is what the mind attached to an elephant looks like it's not like a huge anaconda you know wrapped around an elephant it, it, you, you know if it helps you can sort of have a mental imagery something like the mind attached but you know it's, it's not something that is visual because this is, a, this is an entirely mental phenomenon. So how can, you, how can I draw a picture of it? How can I say, this is what it sounds like? This is what the, this is what the mind sounds like? <laughs> so because I can't draw the mind out for you, I can't, I can't give you an illustration of what the mind does, but I can explain to you that the mind is capable of doing various things. One of those things, probably the worst thing the mind can do, which it does, is attach. So when the mind attaches itself to a mental impression, it does so with the expectation of experiencing it. So like we stated right at the start, Use these principles, use these ideas and concepts to help understand life. Think about the last time you wanted an ice cream. How did that work? It was not your tongue that wanted it, right? It was not any part of your body that wanted it. It was nothing outside of your existence that wanted it. It was your mind that wanted it. It may have been because you saw someone having an ice cream. It might have been an ice cream van that you spotted while you were at the park. Or, you know, it was like out of the blue, you had this idea or this thought came to mind. Ice cream. I need an ice cream. Things happen like that as well, right? Random. Random. (laughs) Now, that doesn't make sense, does it? When we've just explained that everything in this world, everything that comes into existence is based in causes and everything can be explained through cause and effect. Where's the place for random? How can you explain random? There's another talk on that. Again, go and have a rummage of the old talks on this channel and you'll find one there about random. How we've explained. You'll you'll be able to listen to through diagrams and various illustrations that I've used on a whiteboard to explain to you how random works and whether there is such a thing as random. Anyhow, when you want an ice cream, what happens? The mind is attached to the mental impression of an ice cream. Now, you recall from last week, folks, that It's not that you're always thinking about an ice cream, you know, where someone had put forward a very intelligent and very useful question, very helpful question even, about why is it that when you listen to a piece of music you've never heard before, you know, you feel like it's pleasurable or you, you feel pleasure. And we talked about this last week. So we went into a, a lot of detail last week and talked about this. If you missed that, you I suggest you go back and listen to it. But so it's not like always we're thinking about ice cream. The mental impression of an ice cream surfaces in our minds with the mind already attached to it so it's like it's almost like those mental impressions are suppressed and they only surface one at a time so at at times it's ice cream other times it's a chicken biryani other times it's going to the park other times it's a it's the niagara falls it could be flying a jet it could be canoeing. It could be a nice glass of wine. It could be a, a cold beer on a warm day. Whatever. The things that your mind is attached to, they don't all surface at once. But they're all in that... I'll give you... I'll offer you a, an, a metaphor. Like a bag. A bag... A sack full of the things that your mind is attached to. From time to time, you pick one out of the bag. But whenever you pick one out of the bag, it will always have strands that will go deep into the sack because the mind's there, attached to it. So it will always be stuck to the mind. You can't just take things out of it the mind is always grasping onto it, clinging onto it. Because the mind has an expectation of experiencing it. So whenever the the opportunity is presented to the mind, it's a moment of euphoria. Because the mind, when it attaches itself to a mental impression, is always waiting for a moment. It's waiting for a moment to experience it. So when the opportunity is is given or when the opportunity arises, that's a wonderful experience. Why? Because all this time it was vexed. Remember we talked about how absence makes the heart grow fonder? So all this time it was vexed. The things that keep popping out of the bag every so often won't relieve you of vexation as much as those things that don't come out of the bag so often. That's why when you see a, when you see a friend you haven't seen in a long time, it's such a feel good. Compared to perhaps someone you bump into every day. Now I see you should be able to you can explain what happens to you using this philosophy. This is the whole point. I only share this with you so you can explain what goes on with your life. So you can understand yourselves better, folks. You know, every time you're asked to give a talk about myself, a speech on myself, right? We always get stuck, don't we? You know, you can talk about, I am so and so, I come from here, I do this, I do that, I like these things, I don't like these things. And someone asks you, why do you not like those things? At some point, you're going to get stuck. And someone's, you know, I ask you, (laughs) let me ask you this question. Probably the one question I'm gonna leave you on today as well. Maybe it's gonna be punishment. What's your favorite color? What's your favorite color? Yeah, that's your favorite color? Sure? Okay, why? All right, if you said green, okay, why? Why is green your favorite color? You'll say, well, because the trees are green. Okay, so the trees are green. Uh, The ocean is blue. So why isn't blue your favorite color? The sky is blue. The, The ground is brown. Why isn't brown your favorite color? Your hair is black or auburn. Why isn't that your favorite color? Just because trees are green, your favorite color is green? No, no, it's because trees are just such lovely things, aren't they? They give us oxygen and they take all the carbon dioxide and they give us food. It's just trees that are so good. What about the rain? What about fire? What about water? What about the air? And all these things. I mean, what about your mother? So why do you say that Green is your favorite color. How do you explain it? What is the rationale behind it? And then if if you're saying that, well, because trees are these wonderful things and that's why green is my favorite color, then everyone else whose favorite color is not green are mad. Don't you think so? You know, where trees are such wonderful things, they're the best things that I've ever spun up on this planet. Right? Surely everyone should have considered green as their favorite color. Anyone who thinks otherwise should be hung. Don't you think so? It's madness, isn't it? You see, here's where you get stuck. Now you'll fail to, under, you'll fail to explain why green is your favorite color. What is your favorite item of food? What's your favorite food? Ah, I hear someone say cheesecake. Okay, why? Because it tastes good. Well, you're telling me other things don't taste good. So, everyone else whose favorite food is not cheesecake, you're telling me that they like those other things because they don't taste good as cheesecake? As much as cheesecake? How do you explain this? How do you explain favorites? Why is something someone's favorite? Why is something else someone else's favorite? So why is it that you like to see the color green? Because it's your favorite color. But why? Why do you want it? This is attachment. Your mind is attached to the mental impression. So we talked about the example of an ice cream. And an ice cream has a sight. It has, well, suppose it has a sound. You could probably, as you bite into the, uh, the biscuit, the cone, right? that probably could be considered the sound. It certainly has a smell and has a taste. It has a tactile sensation as you lap it up and and the cold and the, the, the soft part of that. So it, it's got all of that. Sight, sound, smell, taste, touch. When I say ice cream, there's a mental impression of an ice cream for you, isn't there? For some of you, it might be a cone. For others, it might be a cup. Yeah? You'll have different types of Presentation. Whatever comes to mind, that is most likely going to be the mental impression that your mind is attached to. That's why you want it. If the mind is not attached to something, then there are no mental impressions of that that the mind is attached to. Then the mind does not want it. It can simply come and go, it can simply pass, but without the mind falling into that trap. There's lots more we need to talk about this and we will do so step by step. You know, we are not rushed with any of this. right? So we'll take our time. But hopefully today I have been able to explain to you that, the, that wanting is based in causes. There are reasons, there are causes why wanting comes into being. And we can apply knowing the principle of cause and effect into this situation, into this problem. And we know then if we can rid the mind of the cause that brings wanting into play, into effect, then we can rid wanting. So we actually, we don't even need to touch wanting. You don't even need to worry about wanting. Just find out what its cause is. Deal with that guy. And then the effect will be sorted. You know, that's the best thing about it as well. You don't even need to touch wanting. You don't need to understand wanting. You only need to understand wanting in as far as understanding the cause of it. Once you've identified the cause, you can leave the result alone because deal with the cause and the result will be dealt with. That's the way it works. Thanks to the principle of cause and effect, which was discovered and taught to us by none other. That is why... He is the perfect one. That is why he is the most magnificent one. That is why he is the most noble one. And it is his mercy through which today we are able to grasp these ideas, we are able to discuss them so freely and so openly and you know, understand it to this depth, this level of detail and, and really use these concepts to figure out how we operate, why we do the things we do, how, why do we feel the way we do. Why do we think, act, and work in the way we do and really understand ourselves? We've always talked about myself, given speeches, but never really understood why we are the way we are. We've said who we are. We've said what we do. But when asked the question, why are we the way we are, we've always failed. Because we never could figure out why do we want the things we want. Because we never understood, we never saw, we never realized that there's a cause behind all this wanting, and that cause is attachment. I know by now you'll be asking this question, and I'm sure you'll be wondering, can I please ring Bhante and just give him this question so I can, he can he can he can relieve me of of my vexation? Oh well, the whole series is about that, so don't worry, we are on the right track. But I know what your your next question is. What about attachment, then, Bhante? How can we deal with attachment so that wanting can be dealt with? Ah, well, we'll come to that. Don't worry. One step at a time. One step at a time. So with that promise, I will leave you for today. Before we do so, let us take a moment to pay our gratitude and to pass on, transfer the merits that we have all acquired to each and every one, every soul who's come to, who've done their part to help us be here, to understand the Dhamma, to comprehend it, to discuss it, to deliver it in this, in this method. You know, there are so many people who've, whose efforts is the result that you are witnessing right now. It's not, this is not just me by myself doing these talks. There are lots of people involved with this. There's someone who's setting up the camera, there's someone who's setting up the microphone, who's setting up this, this place so that I can, I can come and do the talk. There's someone who's going to edit these talks and make them available to be posted online. Someone you know, who's going to share them out with you and someone who's, who's probably informed you about these talks just as you would with your friends. You know, if you've introduced these talks to someone else, then just, just the same way someone did that for you. So there are lots of people, lots of wonderful people who've helped us to get where we are today. And this is our chance, this is our moment to transfer our merits to them. This is us saying our grace. Okay. Let us take a moment then to transfer the merits we have all acquired by making offerings to the infinite virtues of the Noble Triple Gem, chanting Pirit, listening to the Dhamma and engaging in various meritorious deeds today. First and foremost, let us remind ourselves how incredibly fortunate we are to be in receipt of the Lord Buddha's teaching and with immense gratitude, let us transfer these merits to the Bhikkhus and Bhikkhunis, Upasakas and upasikas, who since time immemorial have protected and preserved the sublime teachings of the Buddha and passed it down through the generations of the Noble Lineage in the form of the Tripitaka, which is thankfully available to us today to study, understand and comprehend the Dhamma. Let us also transfer the merits we have acquired to all members of the Mahasangha present throughout the world, including the chief prelates of all of the chapters, who have dedicated their lives to the noble path and have committed themselves towards the betterment of all sentient beings. Let us not forget that among them are the monks and nuns resident in your local temples and nunneries, who have always been by your side through thick and thin come rain or shine. Let us also transfer these merits to our teachers and all other monks resident at this monastery, as well as all the Anagarikas and Anagarikas attached to the monastery. Let us also take a moment to transfer these merits and express our gratitude to those who make great efforts to disseminate the teachings of the Buddha, be that by transliterating these talks, sharing them out with others or inviting others to join them, and may to the power of these merits, if any of them have been born in the warful plains, redeem uh, redeem themselves and be born in the blissful plain, May by the power of these merits, they abstain from the unmeritorious deeds, fulfill the meritorious deeds, fulfill the noble eightfold path, and attain the supreme bliss of Nibbana. Sad Sad Sad. It is also transformation we have acquired to our devotees, friends of the monastery, who for the sake of merits continue to sustain the Mahasangha. This includes everyone from those of you who have contributed to the construction of the monastery, and to those of you who continue to sustain the Mahasangha, we shelter, arms, robes, and medicines, as well as those of you who have passed on their know how and continue to extend their well wishes. May, through the power of these merits, they abstain from the unmeritorious deeds, fulfill the meritorious deeds, fulfill the Noble Eightfold Path, and attain the supreme bliss of Nibbana. Let sadhu, sadhu, sadhu. us also take a moment to transfer merits to our mothers, fathers, husbands and wives, brothers and sisters, sons, daughters, grandparents, uncles, aunts, cousins, nephews and nieces, our elders, friends and acquaintances, employers and employees, and to all those who have helped us and supported us and assisted us in any way, shape or form. And by the power of these merits may they be healed of any physical and mental ailments, and overcome any obstacles to their spiritual progress. May they abstain from the unmeritorious deeds, fulfill the meritorious deeds, fulfill the noble eightfold path, and may they all attain the supreme bliss of Nibbana. Sadhu Sadhu Sadhu. Let us also take a moment to transfer many to the devas, Brahman spirits and demons, primarily the Deva, as well as all the numerous gods and deities who are committed to protect and fulfill the samudasane. Let us also transfer many to our guardian deities who keep a watchful eye over us and keep us out of harm's way. And may to the power of these may they prosper in divine power and wisdom. May they abstain from the unmeritorious deeds, fulfill the meritorious deeds, fulfill the noble eightfold path, and may they all attain the supreme bliss of Nibbana, Sadh, Sadh, Sadh. Let us also take a moment to transformate to our ancestors who have predeceased us, and to all those who have been our families, friends, and acquaintances in this infinitely long journey in Sansara, and those who have helped and supported us and assisted us in every way, shape, or form they could. Let us also transform to the members of the armed forces, as well as the police force who have sacrificed their lives to protect the peace and harmony of our nations. And may all those who lost their lives in the wars, be their friend or foe, rejoice in the merits that we have acquired today. Let us also transfer merits to all those who have lost their lives in the natural calamities, such as the tsunamis and earthquakes, landslides and pandemics, including the most recent and prevailing one. Reminding ourselves that among them will be those who have been friends and family to us in this long journey in Sansara. Let us take a moment to transfer merits to them. And may to the power of these merits, if any of them have been born in the warful plains, redeem themselves and be born in the blissful plain, May they abstain from the unmeritorious deeds, fulfill the meritorious deeds, fulfill the noble eightfold path, and may they all attain the supreme bliss of Nibbana. Sadhu, sadhu, sadhu. And finally, there is all resolve that may, through the power and blessings of all the merits we have acquired throughout the day, we be able to witness the advent of many hundreds of thousands of Arahants on this blessed land. And finally, may through the power of all the merits we have acquired today, you and I, and everyone who has helped make this program a success, become an Arahant Nuhansi, an Arahant Mehni in this very life itself and in the era of the Gautama Supreme Buddha itself, sadhu, sadhu, sadhu. And on that note, we will conclude today's talk. Looking forward to speaking to you again next week. May the blessings of the Noble Triple Gem be with you all.